Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast, and these are our reviews of Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. And denial. The hell happened here? This is a fight. One guy took them all down with his bare hands. He's still in there. Turn around, mister. Let me see your hands. Slowly. Aggravated assault is a felony in this state, Mr. Reacher. Process him and get him to county. Two things are gonna happen in the next 90 seconds. Excuse me? First, that phone over there is gonna ring. Second, you're gonna be wearing these cuffs on your way to prison. (laughs) Well, that is one magnificent prophecy, Mr. Reacher. Just gonna keep on ringing. Okay, so Jack Reacher, never go back. Investigator Jack Reacher springs into action after the arrest of Susan Turner, an army major accused of treason. Suspecting foul play, Jack embarks on a mission to prove that the head of his old unit is innocent. After crossing paths with the law, Reacher must now go on the lam to uncover the truth behind a major government conspiracy that involves the death of U.S. soldiers. The movie is starring Tom Cruise, Colby Smulders, Altus Hodge, Danica Yarosh, Patrick Husinger, and Robert Knepper. Um, this is directed by Edward Zwick and written by him as well, along with Richard Wenk and Marshall Herkovitz. Joining me for this review here, I've got Mike Vermette. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Happy to be here. Good, good. I was not happy to be in the theater watching Jack Reacher never go back. <laughs> I don't think anyone was happy to be in the theater watching Jack Reacher. So let's start off with this really quick. Like, you saw the first one, right? I did. Um, I actually didn't see that one in theaters. I saw it on TV. And uh, I thought it was a waste of my time on TV. So I was like, oh, I'm really happy I didn't pay money to actually go see this. So I saw it in the theater. And I walked out on the movie back when I had the ability to do that. Uh, which I don't have the ability to do so anymore, as I need to now see the whole movie, watch it, review it for the site. And I really wish I could have done the same thing for this one, uh, because when I walked down the first one a couple years ago, I vowed that I would never go back. And here I am, not taking my own advice. And I went back to watch the sequel, thinking that the director, Edward Zwick, who's made some really incredible movies, Glory, Blood Diamond, Last Samurai. I even like The Siege. You know, like there's there's some good movies in that man's filmography. I thought maybe there could be something here. I thought maybe. I mean, Blood Diamond and you know, Last Samurai are incredible. Uh, Blood Diamond especially, I think, is, you know, fantastic. I, just this movie, it doesn't get anything right. I mean, Tom Cruise is a good actor and really... 
he does give a pretty good performance in this, and you could tell he's really committed to the role that he's playing. Um, but outside of that, it's it's just like a train wreck from beginning to end. This is not even so much a train wreck. This is, in my opinion, one of the worst movies I've seen all year long. Um, this is a movie where literally everything is uninspired. Everything is tedious. The story is so uninvolving and so unengaging. I mean, it's just, it blows my mind that you could have a character that is, you know, a loner character who, you know, because of the nature of what it, what he does, doesn't really establish human connections with people very well. And that is, I guess, the emotional crux of the story here for him. And I find that part of it to be, you know, fascinating to some degree or another. Other films have explored it before, but I think if done well with an actor like Tom Cruise in the lead, it could be, you know, done very well. That's not the case here. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, I think that, you know, uh, last week we had The Accountant, and that kind of also touched upon those loner tendencies. Yeah, someone that's different un- light. unable to connect with others, absolutely. Exactly, and I thought it was done way better here. And honestly, after seeing Jack Reacher, that elevates The Accountant to me much higher, because this was just so fundamentally bad. I mean, just from script to editing to acting, it's just it's like terrible across the board. So I found the action in this film to be lazy and like I was saying earlier very just uninspired just seems so paint by the numbers in terms of okay we're gonna have the chase scene uh we're gonna have the obligatory uh swooping camera shot to show the uh, the cars are racing uh we're gonna do these quick edits so that this way you don't notice the cars are really going at only 20 miles an hour down the street when really they're supposed to be going at something like 90 It, it just like Nothing about this uh, just kept me engaged. I will say this, though. If I could give one positive to this movie, the final fight scene uh, this that takes place on, like, on a rooftop is some of the most hard-hitting action I've seen in a film all year. And I actually really dug uh, how awesome that final one-on-one fight scene was. I agree with you, but let me ask you this. Did you even care at that point? Absolutely not. I had absolutely <laughs> no investment whatsoever. I, I, you know, they could have broken Tom Cruise's neck and the film could have ended with him getting killed. Spoiler alert, it doesn't happen. And I still would not have been interested in the movie. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it's just like, let me out. Like, I was so over it by that point. I do agree with you. It was a cool fight scene. Um, you know, one-on-one fight scenes are really cool, especially when they're done well. Yeah. And I mean, this was a, it was a good one, but it added nothing to it. Like I, it didn't make me like this movie anymore. I mean, the film does pick up the pace, um, as it, as it goes. I mean, when it first started, man, like this was so, so tedious in the very beginning. I mean, just every scene felt like it was going on forever. Nothing was pulling me into the film and getting me sucked into it. Like, absolutely nothing. But as it moved along, I I started to kind of get with the groove of the film a little bit more. Um, it was still a tr- atrocious movie. Don't get me wrong. I couldn't believe that it started with the scene from the trailer. Oh, I, I totally could. I just didn't. I, I just thought that it came off more effective in the trailer than it did in the movie itself. Uh, that's something that I wish they had just kind of made for the trailer mm-hmm. and not actually put in the movie because it, it just 
I don't know, it jarred me from the beginning. I was, like, pulled out of it a little bit. I was like, oh, man, it's this really cheesy scene from the trailer. Yeah. So, let me ask you this. Are are we in agreement that the worst part of the film is the acting performance of Danica Yarosh as, uh, what was her name in this movie, Sam? Yeah, his, his daughter. Yeah, or well, yeah, or as supposed daughter. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess she was the worst part. Honestly, I'm a, a fan of Colby Smulders because I'm a huge How I Met Your Mother fan. And, you know, I like her in the Marvel movies. I thought she might have been the worst acting in this movie. Oh, really? I thought, like, her her lines were just so forced. You know what got me? It was the, the fight scene that she had. Well, not, not like, the, like the verbal fight scene, I mean, with Tom Cruise, where it was like, oh, you treat me this way just because I'm a woman? And they started, like, getting into this whole, like, gender roles conversation that was just like, really? This is, like, yeah? Okay. It, it just it was so cringeworthy. Oh, it was so bad. I, you know, again, I felt bad for her watching that movie because I think she is a good actress. And, again, other things, I think she's great. I was just like, wow, this is this was you just taking a paycheck. Yeah. Because there's nothing in this script for you to do. And the little there is, it's not done well. I mean, you're not given good dialogue. It's it's awful. And that's where it really stems from the most here. Forget about the lazy direction. The screenplay is really terrible. Um, you know, we, we could spend a very, very long time talking about how bad this film is. I, I, I can't even sit here and tell you many positive things about it. I really can't. And that's the really, really crappy part. I'm ready to just like hit it off with final thoughts and final grades here. Um, but let's just talk about one more aspect of this movie. And that is Tom Cruise. Do you think like at age 54 now, do you think Tom Cruise should still be doing these kinds of movies? I do. I, I mean, I think that the last um, Mission Impossible movie was a ghost protocol. Uh, no, uh, Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. Um, I thought it was one of the better ones. I thought Ghost Protocol before that was really good as well. Agreed. I think when he does action, he does it as well, if better than most. I really love Edge of Tomorrow. Oh my god, Edge of Tomorrow was fantastic. Yeah. Those trailers for that movie looked awful, and they had like the worst marketing campaign because half the time I didn't even know what the name of that movie was. Nope. But while the time, by the time I sat down in that theater and watched it, I was like, "This is." awesome yeah um and a movie i told all my friends and family to like go watch and go check out um so i do think that he he can pull off action just as well as you know a younger person or anybody for that matter i just think that he needs to stop doing these movies i know tom cruise owns the rights to jack reacher he bought the film rights so i just think that he needs to give up i mean i know he likes the books i guess and i know they are immensely popular but he needs to just give up on making these movies. It's just not working. It's not going to happen. Okay, so we, we, we talked about Tom Cruise here. Let's talk about Edwards Wick for a second. Do you think, because this is such a sore thumb in his filmography at this point for me, um, do you think he took this movie for the paycheck? Or do you think that this was like a compromise because he did Pawn Sacrifice uh, recently and like he had to then do like a studio action film because, I mean, his movies have not been making a lot of money recently. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out what would compel him to 
come to this material here. I, I just don't understand it. He, to me, is a director that has art house sensibilities, but desperately wants to work within the studio system. Right. And he's not ready to kind of go off on his own and just, like, go and make weird movies like some other directors have done. Yeah. Um, I think he still wants to make, like, these big budgeted movies that people will go see and not just a select you know, group of people are going to see. Um, he he just picked the wrong project. I mean, I don't necessarily know that it's his fault this movie is so bad. I think it has more to do with the script than anything else. Well, he co-wrote the script, so I think it is his fault. <laughs> did he co-write the script? He did. Oh, man. Yeah, that I, I don't know, that I really can't give him any... Oh, I can't let him off the hook for anything then. No, you really can't. It just seems like there was just such a lack of passion uh, behind this for him. You know, when you watch a film like Defiance, for example, you see that there is so much passion in this man's work. This film does not have, it's got such a lack of energy to it that it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, when I had saw Blood Diamond, I was like, wow, this is such like artmanship. You know, it has a real like voice to it. Um, this movie lacked anything like that. Yeah, it could have been directed by literally anybody. I could have, I could have directed this movie. Oh my God, easily. And I don't know who this movie is marketed towards because there's no one that like I've spoken to that's been excited or like wanted to go see this movie. Like none of the material, none of the marketing for it has landed. Um, and honestly, I think this is like one of the worst weeks for new releases that I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, movies like Jack Reacher and Ouija 2 and Boo Medea's Halloween. I mean, like, this is a painfully awful week for new releases. It almost begs me to bring back the uh, Saw series for October. <laughs> oh, man. At least you knew what you were getting with those movies. Yeah, like, exactly. they were They were not great, but consistently just, just okay. Just toe on the line. Well, the film has uh, so far grossed a total of $54 million as of this recording right now against its budget, which is relatively low, $60 million, um, which is just, yeah, that's like, it just seems like maybe it, this needed a little bit more spectacle to it. Maybe it needed a higher budget and needed to just be a, a more bombastic action film than what it was because the action scenes do not deliver at all for me, so... Uh, let's move over to final thoughts and grades here. Mike, what uh, are your final thoughts on Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, and what grade out of 10 would you give this? And I really, really, really hate asking this question, but I must. Do you have, or do you see any Oscar potential with this? Oh, man, I see Razzie potential with this movie. Me too. Um, I definitely think you could hit some of those. Oscar potential? No, not so much. But, um... I definitely think this is a bad movie. I think it's a movie that no one should go see. No one should pay money to go see. Uh, there's really nothing for anyone except for like the most diehard Tom Cruise fans. And if you are a diehard Tom Cruise fan, I think it's not terrible. I think he gives a pretty decent performance. Um, it's definitely a passion project for him, and that kind of shows. And like a lot of those cheesy like lines come off as okay just because of his... like his personality so I, you know it's bad on all fronts but as far as a tom cruise starring vehicle yeah, i guess it could be worse um i'd go with probably a two out of ten 
You said cheesy uh, one-liners for a minute there, and it made me think of uh, one line in the movie that I actually did find pretty awesome, and that was the line where he says to him over the phone, is that fear I hear in your voice? And then Tom Cruise says, I'm going to break your arms. I'm going to break your legs. I'm going to break your neck. What you hear is excitement. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's it's just so bad. It it's, is. But it he really sells is. it. He sells those lines, though. Like, you roll your eyes, but you're kind of like, ah. If anyone else said it, I'd, I'd, hate, my, I'd hate it. But out of Tom Cruise's mouth, it's not so bad. As far as Oscar potential goes, yeah, no, piss on that. That 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 is not happening. As far as final thoughts go, the film like it's like those if they don't know what they want this character to be. Do they want him to be like Jason Bourne? Do they want him to be like John Wick? I mean, this this character, this series, everything about it just has an identity crisis to it and a lack of passion behind it as well. I. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think the first film was better than this, and I absolutely hated the first film, which is crazy to me to think that there's a sequel that is so much worse than the first one, but that's exactly what this is. This gets my lowest rating possible. I never ever give anything a 0 out of 10, so a 1 out of 10 is what I have to give to it. And you may be asking, well, why not the lowest rating a zero? Well, because if I always like to try and see the positives in any type of film. And this final fight scene, at the very least, is, you know, cool enough for me that, yeah, 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 all right, I'll throw it something. A one out of 10 seems like it's appropriate. Realistically, it's really like a 0.25 out of 10, but one out of 10, one out of 10. Razzie nominations are definitely happening, in my opinion. So, oh my gosh, Woo. Mike, I, I'm I'm exhausted just talking about this movie. I I I, I this movie just sucks the, the the life out of me. With that said, while I recover over here, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, man. You can find me on Twitter at vampdt89. And I'm sorry I keep putting you through this, Mike. Dear listeners, uh, check out Mike's work on nextbestpicture.com. He's got a review up there right now for Ouija, Origin of Evil. Uh, Definitely more to come from him, and he will definitely be back on the show again. I am, as always, at nextbestpicture on Twitter. And I want to thank you guys so much for listening to this review of... Oh, man, Jack Reacher, never go back. Oh, man, so bad. We're now going to segue over into our review of Denial, where I will be joined by Will and Michael Schwartz. I said to you quite tastelessly that more women died on the back seat of Senator Edward Kennedy's car at Chappaquiddick than ever died in a gas chamber at Auschwitz. It is my pleasure to introduce Professor Deborah Lipstadt. Whatever the reasons that people become deniers, they often have an agenda which they won't admit to. Why do you continually denigrate the work of David Irving? You can have opinions about the Holocaust, but I won't meet with anyone who says the Holocaust didn't happen. Professor Lipstadt, I am that David Irving. And I've got a thousand dollars to give anyone who can show me a document that proves the Holocaust. I will not debate you. Not here. Not now. Not because ever. Because you've Well. Okay, so denial. When university professor Deborah E. Lipstadt includes World War II historian David Irving in a book about Holocaust deniers, Irving accuses her of libel 
and sparks a legal battle for historical truth. With the burden of proof placed on the accused, Lipstadt and her legal team fight to prove the essential truth that the Holocaust occurred. The film stars Rachel Weisz, Timothy Spall, Tom Wilkinson, Andrew Scott, Jack Loden, Karen Pistorius, and Alex Jennings, directed by Mick Jackson and written by David Hare. So, let's start off with Michael here, because Michael, you just got back from seeing it, so it's very fresh in your mind. What did you think of Denial? Yeah, so I literally just saw this movie, and I'll say I've been keeping an eye on this one for a few months now, ever since finding out what it's about. You know, it's this story related to the Holocaust, and it's about social action, and just a lot of things that seem like they might be Academy-friendly. So I went in, very excited to see it, and I'll say that Rachel Weisz gives a performance that's a little hammy at times, but I think she's sensational here in just conveying a sense of somebody doing the right thing and who doesn't always know how to communicate the point that she's getting across, but like just wants to do good and stand up for something she truly believes in. So I really love that aspect of it. What took me out of it a little bit, though, was that when this trial starts, that takes up a bulk of the movie, it feels like a TV film at times. Like, it just sort of goes very slow. It doesn't feel very cinematic. And you have these scenes that take place in the courtroom that are interesting, but they're not very lively. They just sort of sit there and present the information to you. And I found that to be a little bit distracting. But like I said, Rachel Weisz is very good, as are Tom Wilkinson and Timothy Spall, that there was a lot that I admired about it. So a little disappointed compared to what I was expecting, but definitely recommend it for people who want to hear this essential story. All right, then. Will? Yeah, um, I would agree with you. I think it's very telling that with the exception of, I think, the bodyguard, the director has basically only worked in TV. Um, it did. I think the TV merit movie comparison is a good one. It was a generally well-acted piece, although the only really standout cast member to me was Tom Wilkinson. And it's an interesting subject matter trying to legally prove something that everybody knows happened. Um, but it isn't always as easy to explicitly prove. And it raised some interesting questions like, you know, the ethics of even, um, you know, asking questions like Tom Wilkinson's character does when he's at Auschwitz in order to legally prove it. And I did think it was nice that they they had sequences set at Auschwitz. But yeah, I was, um, I was expecting to like it more. It just, for such an interesting bit of subject matter, it seemed rather bland. It didn't really do that much with its characters for me, but it also didn't go... Uh, far enough on giving me all of the information in a legal case in the way that Spotlight might have done on the other end. You know, it seemed like it couldn't decide if it wanted to be a character study or if it wanted to basically sell you a thesis. And it ended up being somewhere in between. But it's an important story. It's an admirable story. Um, and very timely. And, and yes, I mean the uh, you know the filmmakers even said they they patterned David Irving's portrayal after Trump. Um, so I mean it, it is timely. I just I think it was somewhat of a missed opportunity. I agree with the timely aspect. I also agree with the made for TV aspect, and I also agree that this film is not all that remarkable. Um, I think it's good. 
Yeah. I don't think it's anything great. I also am a little hit or miss on the performances. I'm with you, Mike. I think that Vice is a little a little too over the top at points like her her passion and i get it that's her character she's a very overly passionate person about this subject matter but there were many times and it's funny that the screenplay kind of wrote this in a little bit there were just so many times where i'm like god will you just shut up like you're, you're gonna derail your entire case here and they make that into a plot point in and of itself in the movie and i get that like there are times where i'm like very passionate about something and could just go on and on about it and go too over the top. So I like that it conveyed that. I just don't always know if it was intentional, you know? Sure. Uh, I mean, my biggest uh, gripe with this movie is the on-the-nose direction by Mick Jackson. Um, I say this because I'll, I'll take the scenes at Auschwitz, for example. There's some lingering shots in, in those scenes that I've just felt to me like I, I can like I get it already. Like I, I understand you want us to understand the enormity of the subject. You want us to feel the the power of what is at, what is ultimately at stake here. I just found it definitely not subtle, and this is demonstrated to its greatest extent in the final shot of the movie, which I found to be completely unnecessary. Yes, I was oh, just yeah. about to mention that. What was that about? I have no idea, but that, that just left me on a really, really bad note, considering the the shot right before that was a great final shot that was perfect with the theme of the film. Mm-hmm. I was literally starting to get out of my seat, and then I saw that, I'm like, huh? Was yeah. was the preceding shot, was it the one in London where the camera goes up behind the statue as she's running? Yes. Yeah, that was, that would, I know, that felt like the ending shot. They had already given a, uh, a, a nice tribute to Auschwitz with a lot of footage earlier on, you know, and I, I get, I think part of it was, you know, it's the first um, non-documentary ever to film there and they wanted to be able to capture as much of it as they could and display as much of that. And maybe that was part of why, but yeah, I, uh, I, I'm not even sure what the final shot was trying to say. There, I mean, there's symbolism about something. It just sort of stops. Yeah, I was waiting for it to reveal something within the darkness. Exactly, I was as well. But at the end, it just came off as um, over the top, hammy, and ultimately not very good. Um, my other gripe with this movie is the way that the characters are written now. I think the reason, Will, why you think that Wilkinson is probably best in show here is because I think his character is actually given the most depth of everybody. Yeah. Um, Michael, you may disagree. I, you know, you sound like you're on uh, uh, Weiss's side here. But for me, I, I, I think Wilkinson came off as the most complex and with the best character arc. Timothy Spall, great actor, love him, completely one note in this. Not an ounce of depth to his character whatsoever. He, you, you're supposed to hate him. You're supposed to think he's vile and disgusting. And the screenplay does a really great job of that. But I don't think it does a great job of um, explaining him to be uh, a complex, fully human individual. Instead, he came off as almost like... Cartoonish. Um, entirely... Un- yeah, cartoonish. Exactly. That's exactly what I would say there. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I don't know that the film necessarily needs to explore that much of another side. I, I agree, agree with what you're saying that maybe it would be nice to see it, like a little aspect of it. Like we did see something with his daughter. Yeah. And then that's just sort of left after a few minutes. 
But for a character who's supposed to represent such evil and such uh, like unprepared information, I don't know that we necessarily needed to get more of that when he's being presented one specific way. Like, I would have liked to have understood, okay, like, you know that he's lying. He knows that he's lying. Why? What, what's the motivation behind it? Is it yeah. really just as simple as he's a Nazi sympathizer and that's, that's it? You know what I mean? Or is there more to it? Well, sometimes we don't even have answers to these questions. Like, you look at some of these really rampant uh, Donald Trump supporters today and all the chaos that goes on at some of these rallies, and you have to wonder, like, is there a reason behind this or are these just racist people? Yeah, like I, I, I would like to think that there's more to it than that, but unfortunately, it sometimes comes off that way. And uh, I guess that's, to me, that's less interesting. I like the scene when Rachel Weiss was talking to a classroom and is saying how she would laugh at the notion that people would be the good ones back in the Holocaust, how they wouldn't stand up against evil because it was so difficult. Right. And so. so here's the thing. The film makes a lot of good and interesting points. And it also, um, you know, it, it does point out a lot of, it, I mean, it has like a historical thesis when it's giving things during the court depositions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think also what, you know, uh, Matt was saying earlier is that it is really on the nose. I mean, they basically just spell out the information for you, and I think that was a good scene, but is also an example. I mean, there's not. I mean, you're not looking to make witty dialogue in a movie about a somber subject like this. I get that, but I think uh, Matt was right. It, it was a bit heavy-handed in its delivery of all things, particularly outside of the courtroom of giving information. You know, I keep coming back to Spotlight. Um, I think Spotlight maybe did a better job handling, passing information to the viewer like this. And also, I, you know, I, I didn't think Spotlight was the best film last year, but I did think in, a, in the process it found a way to do more with its characters. Whereas this had these moments that felt kind of forced in, like the one legal clerk, the young legal clerk, who... Oh, you, yes. Yeah, that, that was very unnecessary. And you saw that one scene with her with her boyfriend... But she added nothing to the plot. Absolutely nothing. You're right. All the lawyers were the same to me, except for Tom Wilkinson. Yeah, because they, they were like, oh, Andrew Scott might have another agenda. Be careful of him. And then, no, he, he seemed to just be a nice guy who's trying to do his job. I mean, yeah, I wasn't really sure either. They kept building it's it up. It's a great like example was... of taking a very uncinematic story and trying to make it cinematic, but this is something that definitely would have been more well-suited for a made-for-TV movie, in my opinion. And I think it could do very well. This could have been a potential Emmy contender if it was made into a, a television movie, for sure. But as a movie, I expected a lot more out of this. I think there is potential for a cinematic story based on this trial, because it's very interesting. But the one that we were given feels like it was something that could have been on TV. Yeah. It should have been a little better. I don't want to say better because there is stuff I like in this, but a little bit more accomplished if it were going to be a theatrical release. Let me ask you guys this question because I wrote in my review that this would be a very good companion film to watch alongside Imperium, which came out earlier this year with Daniel Radcliffe, seeing as how uh, that's a film that does explore um, Nazi sympathizer uh, culture in today's uh, world. And this film is, you know, it's based in the 90s, but it's still 
pretty relevant, I think, to today's uh, time as well. What's a companion film that you guys would say would work well alongside a film such as this? That's a good question. I'm trying to think of one. Hmm. I did not see Imperium, so I can't say that. Plus, you just mentioned it, too. As I was watching it, I wasn't thinking of specific titles to compare it to, but rather like a genre, these social action movies that you would see throughout the 70s and just drove home points that uh, were very important but never really came off as feeling important with a capital I. I think uh, they may have done it a little bit more skillfully. I'm trying to think of a specific title to refer to. Yeah, I'm not going to compare it to another Holocaust film. I, I mean, I think I will keep the companion films as kind of similar things where it's a muckraking journalist film instead of a court case because it is kind of the same thing. It's presenting a thesis and an argument to the audience that it very heavily builds, in this case, A, that there is legal proof that the Holocaust occurred, and B, that David Irving was an anti-Semite and willfully uh, misrepresented historical fact. And I think, so you compare Spotlight or All the President's Men as a companion film, because it's the same concept of slowly acquiring information to build that ultimate thesis. So I would compare it to the journalism films, both of the 70s and of today. Do you guys think that somebody in the UK would watch a film like this and find this completely boring, seeing as how one of the most fascinating aspects of the film for us as Americans is to see how different the UK court system is? Um, I think I think on some level, yes, particularly since there are literally just moments where it's as if somebody's give, dialogue is just a lecture on the British court system. Um, I mean, just it's kind of like an interstellar when you have one astronaut explaining to another astronaut what a wormhole is, even though in theory they would already know that. It, it, it did feel forced like that. And it was necessary for U.S. viewers for sure because I was relatively unaware of the British court system. But I think you're exactly right. That would be uh, something they'd be like, yes, we, we know this. Why are we, why are we being informed about all this again? So as a result, then, with such a timely subject matter and it being so important, uh, you know, if this is not going to reach then a segment of the audience out there in the world, who is this film really for? Well, I think there's an audience for it. Uh, my theater was mainly, I would say, a big Jewish audience, uh, probably over the age of 55 and 60. Like, you know, your typical suburban art house crowd. And... Uh, I say I mentioned that they were Jewish because this is a film about the Holocaust. Uh, Deborah Lipset is Jewish as well, and I think I don't want to say you get something more out of it because I, from how you're talking about it, I seem to agree for the most part. But I think maybe on an emotional level, you s uh, respond a little bit more to this character who's trying to prove something, like prove an injustice related to the tragedy. Mm. So I wouldn't say you get anything out of the filmmaking necessarily, but maybe just seeing the story presented no matter how well or poor it's done. Gotcha. All right. Let's pass it off to final thoughts and final grades out of 10 and any Oscar prospects. Um, Will, let's start with you first. Yeah, I think I'll give it a, uh, a decent 6.5 out of 10. I You know, I think that there is a lot... It, has going for it, namely that it tells an important story. And there were moments I liked, and so I I don't want it to come across too much like I dislike the film, because I thought it was I thought it was I thought it was good. 
I just think it could have been great, and I think it loses points for me for being the missed opportunity that I feel like it is. As for Oscar prospects, um, I've heard, and I, I think we've all seen these tweets, that it is playing very well to certain Academy voters. Um, I don't remember. Was it was it Greg Elwood who who tweeted about that? I think it was it's, David Poland. David Poland. Yeah, he said that like a lot of the older Academy voters are really receiving it well. So I'm not gonna say that it has no Oscar prospects. I feel like it could be one of those that randomly shows up with a SAG nomination and maybe doesn't go anywhere else. But I could see Weiss or randomly Wilkinson just getting that out-of-nowhere SAG nomination. Um, yeah, I think... I don't see it being a major contender. I think it might appear once or twice throughout the season. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty much in I'm pretty much in agreement with you when it comes to the random SAG nomination. Michael, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was just going to say the random SAG thing, too. We saw uh, Sarah Silverman and Helen Mirren get in last year. This seems like it would play really well at home. We mentioned the TV aspect. So I would not be surprised at all to see Rachel Weiss. Uh, same for Oscars, too. This might be a Best Actress contender. So I'm in agreement with all of that. As for this film itself, this is really a 6.5 out of 10. But I'm going to give it an extra little bump up to 7, just because I really appreciated seeing this type of story on the screen and just having it told in general. That might be a little bit more of an emotional thing for me, I'm willing to admit. But between that six and a half and seven range, I hope to like a little bit more, but I do hope people who are interested go check it out. Okay. Uh, for me, I am going to pretty much be aligned here and give it a six out of ten. I think the film is fine. I think the performances are fine. I think the direction and the screenplay uh, kind of fail them for the most part and create more of that TV movie aspect, which... Taken on its own terms, if you're watching it at home, you know, it's a nice afternoon film that you could watch one day. But seeing this in a theater, I did not find this to be overly cinematic in any way. And uh, it didn't really connect for me on that kind of an emotional level. I, And it's mostly because I can see through what Mick Jackson is trying to do in his direction. I, I didn't think it was subtle enough to connect with me, and I did find it to be more distracting than anything so six out of ten for me um and that pretty much does it there for our review of denial michael where can they find you on twitter you can find me as always at mike movie and will mavericks movies and you can find me at next best picture guys thank you so much for uh, reviewing denial with me we we will see you all next time here on the next best picture podcast take care Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.